Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, April 25th, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his new home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwenk. I'm Buster, only working for my home in New York. And Taylor, what a finish to that Brewers-Phillies game last night, huh? Oh my gosh, it was... You know, I was keeping an eye on the score a little bit, and I was like, ooh, got a little bit of pitcher's duel. You know, I was checking in. I was hoping it wasn't too dry, but, man, things got spicy at the end there with Kyle Schwarber going absolutely bananas. It was amazing to watch. Yeah, speaking for a lot of the players on the field, I think. Well, okay, in this game, the pitchers totally dominated. Aaron Nola had his curveball working. The 2 Outside corner, and Angel Hernandez rings up Andrew McCutcheon who drops the bat at home plate. He cannot believe the call. Yeah, that was Book Shambi and ESPN Radio. Andrew McCutcheon, one of many hitters, complaining about the width of the strike zone, the width, the height, the depth, the whole thing. Eric Lauer of the Brewers was outstanding, taking advantage of the strike zone as well. The one-two. Outside corner, Schwarber throws down the bat and the helmet struck him out. It's 13 strikeouts for Lauer. Yeah, a lot of strikeouts in this game. A lot of hitters looking back at Angel Hernandez, the home plate umpire, wondering what was going on. It was 0-0 to the top of the ninth. Swing and a high fly ball left field. Schwarber back. This should be deep enough. Schwarber makes the catch on the edge of the track. And sprinting home and coming in to score from third on the tag up is Jace Peterson, and the Brewers come through first. It is 1-0 on the Yelich sacrifice fly. The Phillies' challenge then in the bottom of the ninth inning was to score a tying run, and Kyle Schwarber worked the count to 3-2, and and this happened. Called strike three, and Schwarber is thrown out of the game, and he had zero issue with getting thrown out, making it very clear you've missed him inside, outside, up and down. Kyle Schwarber thrown out after being punched out by Angel Hernandez. And Joe may go too. Yeah, Kyle Schwarber went absolutely nuts. He actually went back to the dugout after slamming down his helmet and, and gesturing to both sides of the plate and then came back out and gestured at Angel Hernandez. Here was Schwarber after the game. Get a pitch that won't make it there. And you can be on first base in a spot. And the ninth inning, down one. Um, that's what I want. Everyone kind of saw what was going on. And you know, I'm not here to, to bury anyone, but you know, that was, it, it wasn't very good. The guys were doing a really good job tonight of not saying much. And, um, you know, it, it, it just got to me to where, you know, I, you know, I was going to stick up for myself, stick up for some other guys. time uh, hopefully it's you know we, we all move past it and whenever he's uh, on the plate and we go out there and have a game. Kyle Schwarber being very diplomatic Taylor uh, about what happened in the game last night when he met with the reporters there was a lot of off the record conversation about uh, geez is anything going to happen you know when a home plate umpire has a game that was that rough and the the metrics showed that he missed a lot of calls last night but here's the frustrating part 
is that there doesn't seem to be any ramifications when you get a game like that from an umpire. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that that was sort of the universal consensus is like, well, this sucks and it's probably going to happen again and nothing will come of this because that's the way Major League Baseball operates. And when you look at, you know, the NFL or the NBA, like he would be taken off, he'd be suspended or, you know, he would be demoted in sort of their their referee rankings. Like there are repercussions for blowing calls in other leagues. And it's kind of amazing that for baseball, they they have not adopted that system yet. No, for years. It's funny when uh, you'd hear people complain about Joe West uh, and, uh, you know, things that happen on the field. My response was, well, no one ever does anything about it. (laughs) And that's what's going to happen here in this case. No question about it. All right. Uh, Twins, White Sox on Sunday went to extra innings. The White Sox had a lead. Byron Buxton at the plate. Three balls, one strike in the 10th and the pitch. A swing and a drive. Left field and deep. Back it goes. Deep it goes. Twins win. Twins win. The Minnesota Twins win it. Who else? Byron Buxton. Game winner. And the Twins sweep the White Sox. That from the Treasure Island Radio Network. We're going to get an estimated distance on that home run later from Sarah Langs. The Astros and the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays held a lead in the bottom of the 10th inning. And this happened. The 2-0. And oh, Pena drives oh, it pretty oh, deep oh, to center oh, field. Oh. Going back on it, Zimmer. Still going back at the wall. Looking up. See you later. See you later. See you later. Astros win it on Jeremy Pena's walk-off two-run home run. 8-7. to That was Robert Ford, KBME, 790 AM. The ones who get it done is brought to you by Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, backed by 24-7 support and access to product specialists. Call, click Granger.com, or stop by. You know who got it done over the weekend? How about Miguel Cabrera? He was one hit away from 3,000 in his career against the Colorado Rockies, and then this happened. Upright, relaxed stance, tucks the left shoulder in as he cocks the bat over the right. The 1-1, ground ball. Base hit in the right! 3,000 for Miguel Cabrera! Raises his arms. Iglesias, the first to hug him. The Tigers' dugout empties as they charge over to first base and let the hug dispensing begin. A great Call by Nan Dickerson on 97.1. The ticket. Here was Miguel Cabrera after the game. Elisa Dales, congratulations on today. When you look into the crowd and you absorb this moment, what's going through your mind right now? I mean, a lot of things. I mean, uh, I got to say thank you to the fan Detroit, uh, the organization, everybody like support me here. Um, I'm really excited. Um, and this is a really special moment for me and my family and my whole country, Venezuela. That from Bally Sports Detroit. A.J. Hinch, the Tigers manager, talked about how special this moment was. It's hard to put into words what we, what we witnessed. I mean, we witnessed history. And uh, so proud of him, so happy for him. Um, we did talk about it in the clubhouse. The guys are all excited for him. And he talked about how important it was to play like we did today in front of the Detroit fans. So Miggy tries to spin it, uh, make it not about him, but what a special day for him, his family, um, every Venezuelan baseball player that le- looks up to Miggy. Um, you know, quite honestly, any baseball player looks up to Miggy, and uh, really cool to be a part of it.
Taylor, what else you got? Buster, we're talking baseball over here, but we have multiple shows on the ESPN podcast roster that are talking NBA playoffs. That includes the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst, the Low Post with Zach Lowe, and the Right Time with Bomani Jones. And I also just saw come through my email, uh, Daily Wager. They've got some good bets uh, if you're looking for action tonight to take on these playoff games. Check out the Hoop Collective, the Low Post, the Right Time with Bomani Jones, and Daily Wager wherever you listen to podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash buster just go to indeed.com slash buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash buster terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed vivid seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring experience every pitch assist and game-winning shot live and in person and the best part Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkson. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. Tim Kirkson covers baseball for ESPN. And if you cover baseball today, Tim, that means talking about the strike zone that was called last night by Angel Hernandez uh, in the Phillies game against the Brewers. I must say, first off, how you doing this morning? Uh, <laughs> I'm okay. It was, uh, it's a little bit of a shame. We're talking about an umpire instead of two really good pitchers last night, but unfortunately that's where we are sometimes. Yeah. And I thought that, uh, that Kyle Schwarber in some respects was like the perfect guy to really call attention to this whole situation, to punctuate the situation during the course of the night, because he's such a nice guy. Generally speaking, he doesn't complain about the strike zone, but at the end of the night, <laughs> He had had it, and the way that he argued and it made his case with Angel Hernandez slamming down his helmet and then going to one side of the plate and then going to the other side of the plate and talking about how it happened all night and then pointing to the Brewers' dugout and pointing to the Phillies' dugout saying, both sides, you've been terrible. I, I mean, that to me was appropriate. What do you think? Well, again, Buster, I grew up watching Earl Weaver, and then I covered Earl Weaver, and there was nobody more 
entertaining arguing with an umpire than Earl Weaver. And we don't get that anymore, which is probably good for the sport. But that was very entertaining by Kyle Schwarber last night. And I think you're right. I think he spoke for both teams last night. I've seen some numbers. I'm not sure what to believe with umpire numbers anymore. But someone suggested he missed 19 calls last night, got 85% of them right. Um, look, these are, it's really hard. That's a really hard job back there, but you got to do better than 85%. And if you miss 19 calls in a night and miss one by six inches or whatever I read somewhere, uh, that's a bit much. So it's, again, it's, it's really unfortunate that we're talking about an umpire instead of, you know, Eric Lauer's best major league game. And as Schwarber was going nuts, the, our cameras panned to Andrew McCutcheon, who was standing in left field. He had been upset earlier in the game, Tim, to the point that when, uh, you know, when there was a, 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 a subsequently after he was called out on a, a called third strike, Andrew, like, jumped up as if he was trying to leap across the plate, pretending that that's what he would have to do to actually reach the pitch. But the cameras pointed at McCutcheon as Schwarber's going nuts, and Andrew's just sitting there with his arms folded, and he's just he's kind of shaking his head and laughing, like in support of Schwarber. Like he's bemused because there's no question that the strike zone last night really affected that game. Yeah, and that's what cannot happen. Look, it's hard enough to get a hit in the big leagues. I say it all the time. I don't know how anyone gets a hit anymore. The stuff is so good. And then when you're going to help the pitcher – even more by giving him an inch here, two inches there, six inches there. Uh, it's virtually impossible. That's why we had 32 strikeouts last night. And uh, it seemed to be missing all over every part of the zone. And like some umpires, when they have a bad day, they just miss the high strike or call it up there too many times. But this was high, low, in and out. And I think that's what Schwarber very, very showed very well. And I thought David Cohn on our broadcast made a great point when he noted that a lot of times uh, the strike zone gets a little bit bigger for umpires earlier in the count, but when you get to two strikes, it becomes you know more difficult to get the punch out if you're a pitcher. But in this particular game, it seemed like so many of the calls missed by Angel were on two strikes and how unusual that was. And of course, I was thinking back to the most famous uh, strike zone in the history of baseball, 1997 playoff game between the Braves and the Marlins. Eric Gregg was the home plate umpire. He had a huge strike zone that game, and it especially was bigger for left-handed hitters uh, of the Braves, and it was affecting the Braves a lot. And I remember talking with a baseball official late in that game, um, you know, saying to her, look, you need to get Eric Gregg in the strike zone because he completely affected that game. And to me, that's the, you know, that, that's where it gets to be a concern. You know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I, I talked to a friend last night who said to me, you know, this is how baseball gets to an electronic strike zone through games like this, where people are just up in arms saying the umpire shouldn't affect the game this much. Right. And you're absolutely right. When an umpire affects a game, we have to look at it closer. As you know, Buster, I'm not in favor of an electronic strike zone. I think we need the human element. If you're going to give the home plate an umpire, uh, home plate umpire a little bit of help, a little augmented reality, maybe, maybe you can convince me you can help him. But we can't just have no umpire back there. Um, and we can't just have a computer doing this. But we have to do better than last night. And it just seemed amazing 
amazing how many people had an Angel Hernandez story to tell today, not just writers, but so many players said, well, who should be surprised by this after all these years? So in the midst of all that chaos last night, I, I was in the ninth inning. The Phillies are going nuts. Schwarber's getting ejected. And Bryce Harper uh, puts his earpiece back in. Uh, he was wearing the mic for us last night. He puts his earpiece back in to, uh, you know, tell us essentially, hey, good night. Thanks. This was fun. He, he had an earpiece on for seven innings. And, he, you know, even at the end of the game with all that going on, he thought about doing that, which is why – you know, Bryce Harper, like other players, has been so phenomenal in these situations when they're wearing this this technology that allows them to communicate with booths during the course of the game. I thought it was fun again. Yeah, I thought it was great. I'm all for it. I did a bunch of them in spring training over the years. That was my favorite spring training games with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman hooked up. Joey Votto opening night was tremendous with us. Um so let's do it every week, and it helps the game. It humanizes the players. It really helps the fans. Uh, I just hope all of our players recognize um, what an important thing this is and what a fun thing this is for everyone. Yeah, and so far they certainly have. You started with Joey Votto, who passed it on to Kike Hernandez, who passed it on to Ozzy Albies and to Bryce Harper. Next week we get Francisco Lindor. I did, before we uh, turn away from that game, I w- did want to talk about Eric Lauer, who I always sort of thought of as being this soft-tossing lefty, like this guy who, you know, they, he wasn't ever going to be one of the elite pitchers in the National League. But, Tim, based on what we saw last night, based on what we've seen with his velocity the last couple of years, I think he's climbing into that upper echelon of guys. What do you think? Right. Right, and your velocity note, Buster, was really, really um, important to read that and hear that yesterday. I mean, you, you would think at his age, he's not an old guy by any means, that the velocity is going to even out at some point. For him to keep rising in velocity, I think, speaks directly to what great pitching coaches can do, what what um, uh, new mechanics can do, and what, you know, all the – all the workings of the inside of the game can make you throw harder because he's not a particularly big guy, but it's a great sign when a guy's throwing two, three, four miles an hour harder than he was, you know, four years ago, that's a big jump and it's really helping him. It's like Craig council told you last night, you know, you get a margin for error when you throw a little bit harder, you don't have to hit every single spot to get by. Now, uh, before the season started, just on the eve of the season, we were making our picks, which you and I hate, uh, having to, you know, turn those in because we know we're going to be wrong all the time. I initially turned in the Brewers to win the National League Central, and then I flipped it. You know, I I picked the Cardinals because they felt like they have enough depth during the course of the year. Their offense is pretty good. But then after seeing the Brewers this weekend, after seeing Lauer last night, I was like, what was I thinking? Because nobody matches up with their rotation. Yeah, and that was – I didn't think anyone matched up with their three-man rotation. Now you could go five deep because Adrian Howes is pretty darn good too. But Lauer's been tremendous. He was really good last year too, but he got a little bit overlooked with those front three guys. So, And you still got the two great, you know, relief guys. So you could make a case now. I've said before – Maybe if you look at the five best pitchers on any team, you might say the Brewers have the best collection of five pitchers. But now you could go deeper than that, perhaps, and go six or even seven. Give me, give me a team that's got seven pitchers better than the seven best Brewer pitchers. Not many, if any. 
All right. So the big story over the weekend was that Miguel Cabrera got career hit number 3,000. What's his legacy, Tim? You're better than anybody at uh, couching what a player's meant across the landscape of baseball history. Well, he's obviously one of the greatest hitters that we've ever seen. He's certainly one of the top 10 right-handed hitters of all time. And he's just, as Buck Showaller likes to say, he's not just some big hairy guy who hits the ball a long way. He is a great hitter and always has been. Seven players have 500 homers, 3,000 hits. He has the highest batting average, 310, of any of those seven players. I told you this story, Buster. I did a game in uh, in Detroit one night, and the Tigers and the Yankees shifted on Cabrera and left second base wide open. And he hit a ground ball through that hole and he laughed all the way to first base as he's looking to the dugout, almost to say, you guys really don't think you can shift and make it work against me. Do you You don't think I can hit a ground ball over there whenever I want? He can Uh, same season buster. We had another game. I swear uh, the team, the Yankees weren't going to pitch to him. And uh, they were going to pitch to him, just not in, they, in, they weren't going to intentionally walk him. So he intentionally got behind 0-2 in the count, swung at two pitches, fouled him off out of the strike zone just to make the Yankees think, all right, it's 0-2 now. We can get him out maybe. And the next pitch he rifled to right center for a double. I mean, that's who Miguel Cabrera is. And I told you the story. Jim Leland told me in spring training, Jim Leland not easily impressed. Five straight pitches in spring training, just messing around. Cabrera went left field line. Left center, dead center, right center, and then hit a home run right down the right field line on five straight pitches. Leland said, look, nobody can do that. And Max Scherzer looked at me once and said, he said, he said, Miguel Cabrera is the greatest hitter ever to walk the earth. I think that covers just about everything. Yeah, during one batting practice session that I saw right after Prince Fielder joined the Tigers, it was in spring training, uh, you know, Mickey was doing what he does, which is to drive the ball to, to right center field. He's hitting it over the fence. And Prince Fielder just looked at him and was like, how do you do what you do? I mean, here's one of his peers, an MVP, you know, a perennial uh, all-star contender. And he is just in wonder of what Miguel Cabrera would do. I love the fact that, you know, Joey Votto tweeted out on Sunday, you know, classic Cabrera, hit number 3,000 to right field. Because you and I both remember how in 2003, Cabrera really announced his uh, his presence on the world baseball stage in that World Series against the Yankees when Roger Clemens knocked him down with a high inside fastball and then tried to beat him on the outside corner with a, a, another fastball and Cabrera knocked it over the right field wall. You know, extraordinary for any hitter facing Roger Clemens, but for a rookie to do that, that distinguished him and right away, you know, told us how special he was going to be. Tim, I never even really thought of this question until the last week. And, you know, you start to examine numbers. We've talked a lot about 300 game winners. I still think Justin Verlander might have a chance to get to 300 wins. He's a long way away. But I never really considered the question that, that Miguel Cabrera might be the last guy to get 3,000 hits in the history of baseball. When you think about, you know, we talked so much last night about Bryce Harper and his 10 years in the big leagues. He's been a great player. He's been playing all the time. He's got 1,274 hits. He's not close to getting 3,000 hits. Is Miguel Cabrera going to be the last guy to do that? 
Well, he's going to be the last guy for a long time. I'm not going to say the last guy forever, but look at look at how we play the game today, Buster. The, the, the value of the hit is no longer there. We're really only interested in hitting the ball out of the ballpark. So somebody getting 200 hits a year, I mean, it's a great thing, but it's not the biggest thing like it used to be. Um, everyone's trying to draw a walk. Everyone's trying to work a deep count. We're getting healthy scratch too, where guys aren't playing 162 games. That's how you get to 3,000 hits. You're Pete Rose getting 200 hits every single year and playing 160 games every year and swinging the bat as often as you possibly can. None of those things is happening today, which is why I don't see Robinson Cano. At this point, I don't see Jose Altuve getting there. He's 32. I mean, Manny Machado is only 29, and he's got 1,400 hits, but he's got a long way to go. That's a lot of hits when the game doesn't value a lot of hits. No, and batting average is uh, certainly not the focus. They want hitters to get deep in accounts and, you know, take walks and on-base percentage. Not saying that's wrong, but it's it's certainly a different style. You know, Tony Gwynn racked up a lot of hits in his career, but he was not someone who necessarily took a lot of walks. Uh, so it will be interesting, you know, in the years to come, you know, uh, how long it'll take for another candidate for 3,000 hits to uh, to begin to emerge. On Saturday, the big story at Yankee Stadium, Tim, should have been a ninth-inning comeback by the Yankees against the Guardians. But uh, here was the sound after the game-winning hit by Glaber Torres. The fans are just firing all kinds of objects at the Guardians outfielders in right and right center. And the Guardians' dugout is empty. And this animal house that they call Yankee Stadium embarrassing itself in an ultimate way. The Yankees get a walk-off win, and then the fans that weren't even involved in what was going on in left field, whatever that was, then the fans in the bleachers in right and right center started pelting Straw and Mercado with all kinds of garbage. The Yankees get a hard-earned, come-from-behind win in the ninth inning. And the fans here completely embarrass themselves in the process. Tom Hamilton on WTM 1100 absolutely nailed it. You know, the fans who were involved in that completely embarrassed themselves. There were two incidents. In the first one, Miles Straw, the Guardians outfielder, reacted to what fans were yelling it's Stephen Kwan. Here's Miles Straw after the game. No, they like I said, they chirp, which is totally fine. You know, I have the fun little group up in center, which it's every every game here, which they're fine. They can, you know, flick me off. They can say stuff about my family. I really don't care about that. But when someone's hurt, you don't you don't prey on that. You don't you know you don't just keep your mouth shut and let just let them recover. And if they want to chirp, chirp. I mean, boo me and do whatever you want. I really don't care. But non that's nonsense for someone to be hurt and you to to say things like that. Here's Yankees manager Aaron Boone. Obviously, there's no place for, you know, throwing stuff, you know, onto the field in that situation. Uh, I'll get more clarity on it, um, you know, here in a little bit. But but obviously, you know, we certainly don't want to put anyone in danger. So love the intensity, but we can't be throwing stuff out on the field. Guardians manager Terry Francona. I think Miles was kind of sticking up for 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 his teammate you know kids out there bleeding and <laughs> checking him for a concussion and you know i just think he 
probably emotions got a little, a little out of control. I, I don't think, regardless, I don't think people can throw stuff at our players on the field. You know, that's never going to be okay. Now it feels like, Tim, to, uh, like Captain Obvious to say, of course you don't throw stuff on the field, right? Uh, you know, when I checked with the Guardians people on Sunday morning and asked them, are you concerned about today? The responses I got back were, you know what, the Yankees baseball ops people are first class. They will take care of it. And sure enough, a lot of the security was beefed up for, for Sunday's game. Actually, the most remarkable thing to me that happened in that incident was how Yankee players – you know, in the midst of their game, right after their uh, celebration, uh, ran out to, to right center field and began to try to calm down the fans. Aaron Judge, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, Anthony Rizzo. What do you think about the whole uh, situation? Well, I think, well, it was terrible. You can't throw anything on the field at a player. It's just you can't, and people need to be punished for that. Maybe Miles Straw shouldn't have done what he did, but I'm with Tito Francona on this. He's sticking up for a teammate who was injured, and he didn't touch anyone. He didn't hurt anyone. He just told him, look, you can't do this. Um, but I think the most important thing is what you just said. The Yankee fan, the Yankee players went out there and said, look, you can't do this. This is unacceptable behavior in this ballpark by our fans. When Aaron Judge goes out there and speaks, I think people listen. Uh, the worst news of the weekend injury-wise uh, happened with the White Sox. Eloy Jimenez was running to first base, Tim, and this happened. Chopping to third and arise from the grass. Jimenez, who's had some foot and ankle problems. I think it was a surprise to some to see him not DHing today. But instead, in left field, he took a nasty tumble. It's weird the way he landed on that right leg. Absolutely. Landed stiff on it, huh? Yeah. You can see he lunges and hits the back part of the bag. But that step right there, that, that right step, when that hits the ground, as you mentioned there, didn't look like there was any bend in the knee there. And, Tim, he would remain on the ground for a long period of time until they actually had to cart him off. Tony La Russa told reporters on Sunday that the best-case scenario is that he's going to be out six to eight weeks. It feels like the, the White Sox are jinxed with injuries the last couple of years. Just terrible what's happened to them, and it started in spring training, and it hasn't stopped. They were – more than the prohibitive favorite to win the division. And I still think they're going to win the division because they are loaded still. However, that division is slightly better than we we thought it might be. I mean, the Guardians are, are a little better than I thought they would be. Uh, the Royals have an interesting team. The Tigers have an interesting team. And the Twins are off to a slow start. But you got to think they're going to hit more than just Byron Buxton hitting. Um, so I'm staying with the White Sox, but they better get some people healthy, and they won without Jimenez last year. We know that for most of the year. But you can't do that every year and continue to overcome injuries. They've had uh, their more than their share the last two years. All right, Tim. Thanks for doing this. Always great to talk with you. Okay, Buster, thanks. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. 
You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. This is the numbers game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter and producer at MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great, Buster. How are you? I'm still recovering from the Angel Hernandez Fest last night <laughs> and processing it. Uh, we just got done talking with Tim Kirchin about that. It'll be interesting to see if there's any uh, word that comes out of Major League Baseball about uh, about all that. Uh, okay, what I've got for you first this week was actually a bleacher tweet from one of our listeners, Steve DeWitt, uh, in real time. And by the way, he's at Braves fan B491. Uh, he tweeted out, Jazz and Ozzy, both Homer on the first pitch. Has this ever happened before? Check with Sarah. <laughs> and, of course, he was asking about you. Double Z in both names as well. How often does that happen where guys hit the first pitch for leadoff home runs in the first inning? So I was watching this game on Saturday, and it happens, and I'm listening to Chip Carey and Jeff Brancor, and they're going, oh, my gosh, I've never seen this happen before. And I'm sitting here, and no disrespect to them, but I'm sitting here by myself going, no, this happened last year. I remember researching it. So it's the second time since we've been tracking pitch counts, which goes back to 1988, that both teams' leadoff hitters hit a first-pitch leadoff home run in the same game. The other game also involved the Marlins. It was last September at City Field, Marlins and Mets. It was Miguel Rojas and Jonathan VR. And I just thought it was so crazy that it happened again. And I remembered the note, and that just shows how much this job and following baseball just builds upon itself. I was sitting there. I was like, I know I have this. I just have to find it. <laughs> That's awesome. That it immediately, you know, and obviously, if you're Steve DeWitt, you're asking for the right person with Sarah because you knew the answer <laughs> immediately. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 469. So that is how far Byron Buxton's walk-off home run on Sunday went. It was his second homer of the game. It was a classic Buxton game. This is Byron Buxton when he's healthy. Let us all hope we get a full season or close to it. He's already missed some time, of course. But those 469 feet, that is the longest walk-off home run tracked by StatCast. That goes back to 2015. He broke a record that had been set by Mark Reynolds on June 26, 2016. He had a 464-foot walk-off home run. So 469 feet, longest walk-off home run we have tracked. Number two. Number two is two. 
and that's from Cody Bellinger. So he had his first multi-homer game of the season on Sunday. He's really starting, knock on wood, to look like Cody Bellinger again at the plate. It was his first multi-homer game of the season, as I said. He's had exactly one multi-homer game in each of the last two seasons. Of course, 2020 was a shortened season. 2021, he had... 10 home runs total in 95 games. He's already at four home runs this year. It seems like he's looking a lot more like himself at the plate. It was really exciting to see that happen. Number one. Number one is 3,000. So we have to talk about Miguel Cabrera. Reached 3,000 hits over the weekend. And this is my favorite list. There's so many. You can pare it down. You can make him the only guy in MLB history if you add enough qualifiers, but I really like this one. So 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. It's Miggy, Henry Aaron, Alex Rodriguez, Albert Pools, Willie Mays, Rafael Palmero, and Eddie Murray. And if we do add one more qualifier, the only guys on that list with 300 or better career batting average are Aaron, Mays, and Cabrera. And right now, Cabrera's batting average is the highest of them. We'll see where he ends up for his entire career, but that is really, really slight company. And man, it was so much fun to watch that. I mean, I love the hug from Jose Iglesias. I know some people were saying, oh, an opposing player, what's going on? They were teammates for like six years on the Tigers. So it's not really an opposing player for him. But regardless, it was just really, really cool to see. Yeah, that reminded me of uh, when Cal Ripken broke Lou Gehrig's consecutive game record, uh, and Taylor will remember this, uh, as he was being celebrated that night after breaking the record, the Angels were the opposing team, and he went over and shook all their hands. Like, they were as excited as anybody. Everybody turned into a baseball fan, and that's what happened with Iglesias, and that's why that was so cool. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Uh, I just uh, you know, talked to Tim about the question, which never really even occurred to me until the last week about, you know, who's the next guy who's going to have 3,000 hits. Uh, it's a surprising number to me that, uh, you know, there's just not that many guys who seem to be on the trajectory to do it. Among all active players, do you see someone who could actually do that, Sarah? Well, it's an interesting question. You know, I'm sort of working backwards and Juan Soto, he wouldn't be next, but Juan Soto reached 500 hits the other day. And he was, I believe, the sixth youngest active player to get there. And the other active players on the list, two of them have 3000 hits. Uh, who got there younger than him, Pools and Cabrera. And the other guys on that list were Trout, Harper, and Machado. So I wonder, I mean, I look at Manny Machado, who has been very healthy over the last few years and really throughout his career. If he can stay healthy, I think that he could be on track to do it. But I think any of those guys, if they stay healthy, could get there, especially with the long contracts they have. So doesn't have one yet, but he will sometime soon. Those are sort of the guys I look at, those guys who got to those earlier milestones at a really young age. All right, Sarah. Well, good to talk to you, and I'll be in touch during the week. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Monday. And I've got to let you know, put my mailbox in, laid down the uh, the concrete for it, dug a hole 
it was uh, it was a whole process. But I'm glad you suggest the concrete because I would have just dug the hole and dropped it in there. And nice, thought, oh, you did fine. one of those cardboard circle things. Uh, right? I, I I just dug the hole. I found I got quickcrete, which I just poured it in the hole. I put water in it, let it dry, and it's in there. It's not going anywhere. So you did a good job of keeping the 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 the, the support uh, post. Uh, straight, right? I hope you didn't have one of those tilted ones. So I will admit there was a little bit of a snafu. We did not have enough concrete uh, when we tried to do it initially, my wife and I. So there is a little, the y-axis is a little off, just a little, but the top of it <laughs> is straight. So, I mean, no one's going to notice except for me. And, you know, by the time we realized, I mean, it, it was in there. So what, what are you going to do? Nice work. Thank you, sir. Let's go to the tweets. Jake J at Bearded Spirit Guide writes in, is Minnesota sweep this weekend more about the resurgence of the Twins or the surprise collapse of the White Sox? I, th I think collapse is a bit much here. Yeah, collapse is a bit much, but I would say, you know, over the weekend I did a, a radio interview. Someone asked me the question of what's who's the most disappointing team so far early this year. I think the White Sox, and partly because they've had all these injuries, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, Jimenez going down. You had Lance Lynn go down. they got some other issues. The American League Central might be more of a race than I certainly expected. Corey Rueckert up next at Cor Corey R underscore 12. He writes in, maybe the Yelich we are seeing now is the real Yelich. Those two MVP caliber seasons could be the juiced ball results. What do you think? Corey, I, you know, the, the Yelich we're seeing now is not the Yelich at 18 or 19, but I think that has more to do with him hitting ground balls uh, than anything. You know, so it was interesting yesterday. He had a conversation with Eduardo Perez, you know, before Sunday night baseball. Uh, and, and his feeling was, you know, he, he's just trying to get a feel for the ball and, and hoping for good results. And so we'll see. Fingers crossed. He's a great dude. Matt Hempner at Matt the Stud pointed to an interesting tweet from uh, Jeremy Frank at MLB Random Stats. Uh, this tweet from Jeremy says the Cubs had a plus 17 run differential in their four game series loss to the Pirates. <laughs> it's the largest run differential in a four game series loss in Major League Baseball history. That is a, that is a wild stat indeed, Matt. Yeah, that that is an interesting stat that that uh, that that tells you that not every number is created equal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Last one for today, your boy Alexander Hamilton at AHAM 508. Million things Alexander Hamilton needs to do. Um, but he's asking this question. I read that Japanese players must accrue nine years of service in the NPB before they can come to Major League Baseball. If that's true, why so long? Will we really have to wait nine years to see Roki Sasaki? Yeah, unless he absolutely steps up and, and uh, exercises some serious leverage. If I remember correctly, I think Otani... You know, he had a chance to go a different route, and so he, he kind of made a deal like, look, if I go this route and I play in Japan, then, you know, you need to let me out at a certain time. Um, you know, we'll see if Sasaki winds up using some of that leverage in order to, to move on, but, man, he is impressive. Like, his fastball, his stuff that you see – you could see him in the big leagues right now being mm -hmm. a dominant pitcher. Mm, it stinks that he can't just pop up next year. Nope. No, uh, the Orioles could use him. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. That does it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. And please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's it for today. My thanks to Tim, to Sarah, to Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Requires Gemini device and additional paid subscriptions to watch Netflix and other third-party apps. Terms and restrictions apply.